I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, also known as the football investigator tonight, <laughs> uh, because he's got some news and information that he he's seen over the week, uh, as well as reviewing Saturday night's game. Uh, I've watched the game again as well. Uh, Jerry Hamilton has too, so we're here to talk a little bit about more of what we've seen each and every Sunday night, brought to you by the folks at the Cross Oak Group. We'll tell you more about them uh, in a commercial break. Uh, Rod, Jerry, Longhorns advanced to 10-1. and one. Uh, It's been 24 hours now since we talked last, uh, Rod and Jerry. Rod, for you, uh, any initial thoughts on second watch that you want to go over tonight? Uh, yeah, just kind of reiterated a lot of stuff that we talked about uh, in the postgame, a lot of stuff we talked about in the in-game live watch. I, I really want to be uh, complimentary of Sark and the adjustments that he made in the second half. Uh, you know, John Haycock and that Iowa State defense, we talk about him being one of the pioneers of the three high, three down. I mean, you, our, our, our Iowa State statistically was the best second half defense in the Big 12, top 10 second half defense in the country. Right. So John Haycock is great at winning the chess match within the game. You know, one of my um, critiques of Sark has been to take his game to the next level as a coach to become a great coach instead of a, you know, a good to above average coach. Uh, he's got to become a chess master, be able to win the chess match within the game. Uh, that that game was on the line after halftime for anybody to win pretty much. And I thought Sark gave Texas a clear schematic advantage. And going up against John Haycock to say that, that's a bold statement. I mean, John Haycock to me is one of the chess masters, one of the great defensive chess masters out there. Uh, and the stats would prove it. And Sark went there and Sark dialed up some very meticulously designed plays specifically to exploit Iowa State's, and I don't even call them weaknesses, just Iowa State's tendencies, their habits as a defense. I can't even call them weaknesses because they're really not weaknesses. <laughs> they're a really good defense, and he did a great job of it. And we all saw it in the second half, right? That third one play to Jay Witt, that was Jay Witt, the stock block and go. It was brilliantly designed. And the, the, the play calling, the timing of it, right? You know, comedy just ain't all about the the line and just the, uh, the the language. It's all about the timing of the delivery. Got to call it at the right time and start dialing it up at the perfect time. So that was a play. And, and then also the other touchdown, the Gunner Helm, was also very similarly a play that he dialed up. You could tell. And it was also very – it was a kind of a stock block and go concept, but with the – I call it a drag wheel route. <laughs> to the other side of the field. You know, this is, I, I, you know, we talk about how Iowa State is a fundamentally sound defense. Well, he used some of their 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 keys and used some of that that fundamentally sound mindset. He used it against them uh, with the stock block and go concepts from Jay Witt and from Gunnar Helm. Both of them ended up being touchdowns. That's not a coincidence, folks. That is, that's Sark looking specifically at certain things he can exploit, not many of them versus Iowa State, and he found a way to do it. I have a question I want to get to you next, uh, Rod, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Jerry uh, talk to you about that. What I want to ask you and, and be thinking about this, it wasn't just those plays, those two plays that that I felt Sark did a good job with. Texas moved the ball from the second quarter on consistently. I want to be thinking about that. I want to come back and ask you. Jerry, upon your rewatch, what anything that, uh, that struck you a little bit? I think just the whole season is where I'm at right now. I, I was thinking about this this afternoon. Just take the Texas offense. Starting left tackle, Kelvin Banks was hobbled by an ankle for a while. Hayden Connor hasn't missed time, but Sark said he was injured. 
Uh, it wasn't 100%. Jake Majors missed the whole Oklahoma game, essentially. Right guard, DJ Campbell goes down yesterday. Uh, Cole Hudson was out for multiple weeks. Right tackle, Christian Jones missed a Kansas State game. JT Sanders missed time. Jonathan Brooks out for the year. Cedric Baxter's missed time. Jordan Whittington's had a bad toe. Xavier Worthy left the game early. I mean, the fact that they're 10 and 1 with that much going on offensively due to Quinn Ewers. Well, I forgot that. Two games. The fact that they have that much going on on the offense in terms of not being healthy, it keeps you disjointed. You're not as connected like as an offensive line. All five guys started 13 games last year. They haven't even come close to that this year. This team has dealt with a lot of injuries on offense and at every single position except A.D. Mitchell. I mean, to the fact that they're 10-1 and right now, even though, even if we say, oh, they haven't played Big 12, blah, 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 the fact that they're 10-1 and right now with that many injuries across the board on offense and that much time missed at different points in the season says a lot for the toughness, uh, Sark's ability to adjust, Kyle Flood's having to adjust, Tashard Choice is having to adjust. I mean, this is a – these guys have earned their money on offense this season. All right. That's Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, uh, a.k.a. football investigator for tonight. Uh, Guys, uh, Texas wins 26-16. Um, Big game from Quinn Ewers, big game from the offense. But really, I mean, let's be real, nine yards on 20, 21 rush attempts. Uh, Sark in the postgame, if you didn't hear it, uh, said that he sent out Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy to midfield to be captains for a reason. He was asked if it was intentional. He said, yes, I wanted them to see 90 and 93 and who they're going up against uh, that night. And uh, you know what? We can talk about the offense and how it seemed to click to Jerry's point and Rod's point. It, It really did. But ultimately, this defense and those guys up front, and not just uh, Tavondre and Byron Murphy, but also Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Trill Carter saw maybe his most extended action against the run uh, this year. And then Baron Sorrell, uh, Justice Finkley, Ethan Burke, Jet Bush, all of them, nine yards rushing. And then you add the linebackers behind them, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a game. No, it is. I thought Benda actually played well, too. When they went 40 personnel and put Benda out there, I thought Benda uh, made his presence known. I thought the young buck, Anthony Hill, made some of those plays where he just stopped running back to their tracks, like no extra yard. It's just boom. I mean, it was – he did that multiple times. Uh, I'm with you. I thought the front seven just was spectacular. I mean, they really were. uh, They're dominant. I mean, Texas is a – a one, they're a dominant rush defense in terms of stopping the traditional running game. It's re- they will make a team one dimensional. Almost every team they play. I don't know if there's a if Bama ran it a little bit on them. You know, Oklahoma had the non traditional running game, but as Byron Murphy said, you're not running the football on Texas. That's a huge advantage for them because they make teams one dimensional. Our teams throw a little bit on them and they get some yards throwing the football, but that's the only that's the only lifeline they have. They don't have another lifeline like that is. So a lot of times they're throwing out of desperation. 
They're not throwing, you know, by staying ahead of the change. They're throwing out of desperation. So, yes, there are some concepts that, that are effective versus the Texas defense in the passing game, but the rush defense, it's it's dominant. There is no doubt. It's one of the, I'm going to go do the research, but it was the fourth best rush defense in, in the last 15 years in the Big 12. Uh, right. The 2009 Texas defense is the best rush defense in the Big 12 in the last 15 years. I don't know where they are now. I got to go check. But so, so, so I looked at the stats right before he came on. They're now fifth in the country in rush defense, 83 yards per game, number five overall. Nobody's catching UCLA. The only way to catch UCLA is to uh, schedule USC. USC had one damn yard rushing against UCLA. <laughs> UCLA's giving up 65 yards per game. Texas is also top seven in rush opponent rush per game. Number seven in yards per rush, 2.9. So opponent rush percentage play, Texas fifth in the country. So teams are abandoning the run against Texas. Here's the good news for Texas with Texas Tech. Non-running quarterback that's already had a shoulder issue now. Their running back will downhill you and bounce off you a little bit. But, Rod, Texas doesn't have to worry. And we'll get into that this week. They don't have to worry about QB run threat this week. When Texas has faced those teams, they've been successful defensively. Yep. He, he's got a little bit of mobility, but he's not a runner. To your and point, I think he's more mo- he's more mobile than the one we just saw up in, in Ames. Right. right. But I just think with the shoulder issue he's had this year, I mean, are you really uh, – I mean, are they going to risk it? They won't early in the game. He ran a couple times. I, I watched the game uh, – I watched, went back and watched the, the game against Central Florida on tape today. Uh, he ran a couple of times that were uh, zone read keeps, basically. Um, just to keep people honest, I'm interested. Y'all talked about Anthony Hill stopping people in their tracks. Taj Brooks is a good runner for Texas Tech. Yeah, I'm ready player. to see a couple of those collisions. Yeah, yeah he's a good player. Because he he brings it. Uh, I'm impressed with Taj Brooks, the running back for Texas Tech. Uh, all right, uh, other things that uh, we need to talk about. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jerry and US, USC. I read an editorial today uh, from the Los Angeles Times calling for Lincoln Riley to be gone. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So Chip Kelly, they they the time the LA Times two weeks ago called for him to be gone. Then he goes out and beats uh USC 38 to 20. USC now, I believe, seven and five with Caleb Williams as your starting quarterback. Yeah. That's a disconnect. Uh I would say to 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 say take it lightly. Uh Riley, I am I still say this. I'm told he put his name in the hat at Texas AM. He's smart too because he knows he, he I mean. Hey. Whether it's a power play or not on USC, I mean, dude, he's he loses Caleb Williams this year, and he's he's a first year starter next year. Yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln needs to go ahead and just try the league for a couple of years. The beauty of the league is, dog, they'll overpay you. You can fail miserably, like Matt Rule, and come right back to college and get paid again. It's or Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, exactly. Scenario, <laughs> dude. Go to the league, Lincoln, for just a couple of years, bro. If you make it, great. But if you don't, dude. If you and by the way, you don't have to recruit up there. You're good. You ain't got to recruit. Man. You ain't got to worry about talking to teenagers. You're fine. Don't you leave, man. <laughs> I love it, Rod. Hey, uh, guys, I want to say thanks to our sponsor real quick. We're listening to uh, you're listening and watching the Longhorn live stream on Sunday night. It's brought to you each and every Sunday night uh, by the folks at the Crossout Group. Uh, Cross Oak Group is one of the leading government affairs firms in the state of Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. 
These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Crossoak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. Uh, to learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. Hey, guys, since Crossoak Group came on as a sponsor, uh, Longhorns are 10 and 1. I just want to put Yay. that up. <laughs> we like them a lot. Uh, I, uh, we've got a, some other news and notes we want to get to, uh, but uh, let's uh, start getting into some questions from uh, viewers and, and uh, folks out there. And one of the things we really like to do on Sunday night is try to take a bunch of questions. Uh, given the opportunity, this is from Daniel Kinneman, given the opportunity, Gutter Helm could be TE1 next year. We talk about wanting another TE in the portal and should recognize that JC, JT Sanders is a top five all-time TE at Texas and top three TE in the draft. Let me ask you this, Rod. Is he a top three TE in the draft? If he were, if he were, wouldn't he be going to the Senior Bowl? Byron Murphy got invited to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I don't understand that. I'm, 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 yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really sure because I thought he was going into the season. He was considered top three tight end behind Brock Bowers and maybe one or two other guys. So since the season started, I mean, I, I would assume maybe the injury, maybe that dropped him down just a little bit. Brock Bowers had an injury too, but he's back as well as JT Sanders. Touchdowns. <laughs> right. And I haven't seen the, he's a finalist. I'm assuming for the Mackey award as semifinalist. Is he not for the Mackey award too? I don't know. I would have to look it up. I gotta go look at that. Is look, he? I thought it was a foregone conclusion that JT Sanders would go pro after this year. And maybe he will, but that's one guy who should consider coming back. He needs to keep getting stronger and refining his blocking skills. He needs to. I mean, he, and that's not what he's necessarily going to be asked to do in the NFL, but He's he's not a long arm guy. He's gonna get dinged for that, and then they're gonna turn on the tape. I don't know. I mean, he, he's got an interesting decision to make. I mean, he's definitely he's probably fallen on boards a little bit, uh, or, or will when they uh, go watch him this year as an all around player. Um, he, that's one guy that may want to consider coming back for one more year. He if probably I don't think he's considered. I, he should. I I I. I, I I think you're right, Jerry. I'm not saying you're wrong at all, but I'll say this. As a tight end, it's probably only so high he's going to be able to get in the draft just considering the value of the position. And I can guarantee you there are some offensive coaches that are already in love with him. that are already like, oh, dude, I'm salivating. I get that, dude. So, yeah, he may not go as high as he would have liked, right? You want to be a first round. Everybody wants to be a first, second round guy. Uh, but he'll go in the middle rounds no matter what happens. I mean, right. he's – Nobody's gonna let him go past a third or fourth round. Like, just it's not gonna right. happen. Right. So he may decide, hey, I'm just going for my second contract. I gotta get to that second contract anyway. I can learn how to block in the league. It's all good. I'm going to the league, and they'll utilize him in the league in that way. And you gotta, you almost pray and hope you land with the the right scheme and the right coach that knows how that to use it. Huge for him. Yes, exactly. Right. He he lands the right scheme. Oh man, that guy could be a fantasy football phenom overnight. He lands with the wrong team, and you know he's a he's an NFL player. He's gonna be on the roster, but you don't maximize his talent. I mean, that guy's upside. His upside's tremendous. He's been playing tight end for what two, three years. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This went from Juan Bobby. You can see the culture in Sark. He's learned everything from Saban. The way to recruit, roster management, and staff acquisitions, special assistance. He's doing like Saban, which is cool to see. Don't forget Pete Carroll's influence 
on uh, Steve Sarkeesian as well. The former USC coach now at the Seattle Seahawks had a really, uh, I think he had even a larger, more foundational um, importance in Steve Sarkeesian's career as a coach because he was brought him up really to become a coordinator and then uh, saw him leave to be a head coach. I think that uh, Sark uh, would give just as much, if not more, uh, to uh, of his tutelage or mentor mentorship uh, to Pete Carroll. It's almost like uh, Nick Saban was finishing school. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't high school. It was yeah. he went to Saban for finishing it's school. Like, it's like grad school, baby. It was grad school. Yeah. <laughs> That's about what it's like, you know. Hey, what do y'all think of this one? Sark after dark. I mean, either, any, either one on you want to take this, feel free. Sark coach pissed off last night. Can he do it every game? I, hey, he was pretty. He was pretty animated during the eyes of Texas last night, guys. Yeah. I gotta say, he, I don't know if he's pissed off or he had a little something special down inside of him. What do y'all think? think? I think it started uh, early in the week when he kind of said, "Hey, maybe we're not as aggressive as we should be on some of our play." I mean, he kind of started the week that way. I mean, he was pretty. That was aggressive for him in a press conference. Now. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I think these last two weeks, we said it last night, these last two weeks were really big ones for Sark because TCU had to be the least yards he's ever put up in a game as a head coach or offensive coordinator, 199 last year. He wanted that one bad. Then the Iowa State one, the 30-7, to very embarrassing. Everything that happened at that game, um, all you know, what – Matt Campbell said, you know, obviously about five-star culture, blah, blah, blah. All of these two weeks were huge for Sark. I mean, he also won 10 games for the first time. You know, these all these guys know all this stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but the other thing was, look, here's the one thing I can tell you. They knew Jordan Travis got hurt. They knew they suddenly had an opening. And and they have a lot they have a lot on the line, and they know that the coaches know that. They I, I, trust me, I've texted guys for oh yeah, man, so I've had a coach text me. Oh, did you just see this guy get hurt? It's an hour before they go out and play, Bobby. You've had the same thing happen. They know what's going on. The importance of that these last two weeks were huge for Steve Sarkeesian. Well, and for Texas football, yeah. Um, I, I look at it, and I really think that that's part of it. Um, uh, you know, I'm. I'm thinking to myself, uh, Matt. Matt is texting me right now. Matt, our producer, it's from about the 13 minute mark. Matt, I don't know exactly when. Uh, you'd have to pull that up. I want to play y'all something here in a little bit from last night's press conference. Uh, Matt, you're ready. All right, Matt's ready. Y'all listen to this, and this goes toward what Steve Sarkeesian thought about Bo Davis and his rant from two years ago. This is Sark last night finally addressing that. I asked him a little bit on Thursday. He really didn't talk about it, Jerry. But last night in the press conference, he talked about it. Go for it. You got the sound, Matt? Oh, hold on a second. He's saying he's got to wait a minute. Let's see what he's got. Ah, it felt ugly in the moment. <laughs> you know, we we, we didn't play very good, kind of got our butts kicked, um, and it was one of those moments that 
I don't, I guess in a weird way, fortunately that, that situation on the bus got out, but I think you could feel the passion in, in Bo's voice of what all of this means to all of us as we came into this program and, and what we were trying to do. And Bo made it very clear, like we're here to win championships and we're here to compete for championships. And that's, that's day in and day out. And it's not just Saturday night on the road. We, we compete every single day, the work that we do, you know, throughout the week to prepare for these moments. That's what I think we were, Bo was trying to get across. And, um, the fact that, um, people remember that I think is a good thing. You know, I, I joke with Bo all the time that CDC is getting ready to put a statue up above him out, out, right there out, outside the North end zone there um, because it meant a lot to our program. And I think it meant a lot to a lot of the players in that, in that locker room, because from the sounds of it, that might've been going on. And the fact that we were able to put a stop to that and change the direction and the trajectory of our program. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. That was just the starting point. And then we had to continue to build off of that for years, right, to get to this point. All right, that's good stuff from Tark. Thanks, Matt, for putting that up. Uh, guys, That that's exactly what we thought he would use as motivation. That's internal motivation. So when people say Sark pissed off, coach pissed off last night, there was something in his gut that made last night special. He wanted, he wanted some personal redemption in Ames, yes. Iowa. Yeah, yeah, and we haven't seen. Listen, you know the guy, and Sark tried to downplay the comments from the Iowa State lineman, right, Jared Hufford, during the week, and we understand why because yeah, Sark's trying to take the high road as a coach. But then after the game, uh, you saw the comments from uh, via Twitter on social media, the comments from all the players on the team, right, a lot of the leaders on the team throwing it out there: Xavier Worthy, uh, Jalen Ford, you know, Byron Murphy. It's about to Hell, even Texas football, the Texas football account, all right, started taking shots at Iowa State because of that. So even though it was downplayed, it was clearly and obviously a motivational, all right? It was a motivational thing for them, and it was an incentive for Texas to come out there and play hard because they saw it as disrespectful. So I'm glad, I'm glad the guys used it, and they played hard. That's why everybody played with a little bit of an edge. And I think the officials calling the – calling the game very, very strictly in a very strict fashion, right there, interpretation of the rules. I know Logan fans didn't like it, um, but I think that also kind of fueled Sark's uh, rage, if you will. <laughs> uh, and I think Sark coached it a little bit, and he coached with an edge in the second half, and and I think it helped him. I think he was able to, to use that emotion um, to help him become a better play caller. Um, sometimes that works against you. I think Matt Campbell made an emotional uh, call in that game. Remember that fourth? It was a fourth and three. He was upset that they got a bad spot. He thought they got a bad spot on that third down. And then they got the fourth and three. Then he kicked the 50-something yard field goal. And it was a just a shank. It was a terrible call. And 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 we all and, and Jerry, we were on the end game live watch and thought, man, probably should have punted that. You could yeah, have been surprised. I was surprised at that point that he, he he kicked that field goal. Yeah, because he was coaching emotional, right? That emotion had, had overwhelmed him a little bit, yes. and he was just making an emotional call. He didn't use it in a constructive fashion. I thought Sark did the opposite. I thought Sark – I thought he was. I thought he, he had an edge coming into the game because of all the angst and all the buildup and trash talk. I thought the uh, the officials and the way they called the game in the first half also got, tech, got uh, you know, uh, Sark a little amped up and a little hyped up, and there was concerned that maybe he would coach the game emotionally 
and that would end up kind of derailing his game plan. That was not the case, man. He used that rage uh, to almost guide a lot of his play calling, and it was it was really good. It was some of the best second-half adjustments I've ever seen from Zark. Interesting. And, and Rod, to be clear, Rod is not – you've been somewhat critical, not hypercritical or out, uh, other – worldly you just say hey they could be doing this better they could yeah. be doing that better for for those for you to actually say hey this was really really good stuff that means that it's at a, a very very high level yeah man so, yeah, man, yeah. Man, i'm not trying to you know put words in rod's mouth but i'm trying yeah. to explain rod's not easy to impress agree and so when he, when he yeah. says I'm a football investigator, man. I go where the evidence takes me. <laughs> and the, I usually just go where the evidence takes me and I can tell you that second half against John Haycock Matching wits and and winning the chess match in the game, it was some of the best we've seen from Sark. It really was. He was he was like I said, he was in his his zone. He was in his bag. And considering the injuries, guys, considering consider every all the factors thrown in there too, um, against that defense, one of the better defenses in the country, best defense arguably in the Big Twelve, other than Texas. That was that was really impressive. Hey Jerry, you had one other stat we wanted to go over tonight as well. This is talking about Quinn Ewers. Yeah, and how he sometimes starts slowly, but then as the game goes on or wears on, he becomes more effective. Uh, maybe that's play calling. Maybe that's him just getting the rust the rust knocked off at some point, right? Uh, what are some of those stats that you want to give people just so they can hear them? Because I thought it was really interesting the, the juxtaposition between first and second quarter to the second half. Yeah, I mean. Uh... 65% passer in the first quarter, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Obviously, two of those came against Oklahoma. Second quarter, 71.6% uh, completion, four touchdowns, one interception. Second half, second half, guys, 73.6% completions, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. And no interceptions in the second half of a game this season and progressively gets better. His fourth quarter numbers alone, I believe, 35 of 40, 87.5% completion, hmm. five touchdowns, no interceptions. That's okay. big time. Okay. I got a theory. Here's my theory. Because we know early on in the season, right, that teams were showing Texas something on game day, on the field, that they hadn't seen on film. They got that probably, what, three – three out of the first six games, three, four out of the first six games, Sark kept, so it became a running joke with Sark in the post game. Yeah, we got something, you know, uh, on game day that we hadn't seen on film. And I believe you're tracking it that Quinn, hell, and maybe even Sark too, <laughs> to Jerry's point in, in the stats, Texas started slow in those games, right? And, and if, if Quinn starts slow, Texas starts slow, period, much the way it goes. And they started slowing those games because I do believe if you can show Quinn something that he hasn't been prepared for, he 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 has to go through progressions. He has to go deeper into his progressions. And that's not what you want from Quinn. Quinn is a kind of first window, first read QB, and that's where you want him going. And that's how I think Sark likes to kind of build his game plans for, for Quinn. And I think when he sees something that he hasn't been prepared for, Hey man, I gotta hold on to the ball a little bit. Hold on, I didn't see. I got while he's processing, he's holding on to the ball. Should be getting deeper into his progression, but that's not his strength. And then I think you get bad Quinn and maybe even a slow start. So that's the only thing I can really think of and throw out there. And maybe in the second half, 
Sark makes the adjustments. He knows how they're attacking Quinn. He knows how they're trying to exploit him and how they're trying to attack him. And then he can make the necessary adjustments and maybe they're both better for it. Just a theory. Got no evidence to back it up. 85% is in the second, in the fourth quarters. Unreal though, guys. Stunning. Stunning. Yeah, that's those are those are big time numbers, Jerry. The other thing for him is over 300 yards a game on the road this year. Rod, we talked about that early in the season. Really, yes, he's, been, he's been over 300, or, or he averages around 300 on the road. He's a better quarterback on the road versus home. Interesting. That's crazy. Hey, I this is another thing we didn't mention, guys. <laughs> uh, Sark last night did a good job with clock management. Uh, mm-hmm. Kudos for getting it right. I agree. Yeah, he, he drained the clock when he needed to. Uh, got the field goal in at the end of the half. Uh, literally, that I mean, they ran the time off the clock to end the game. Uh, is I mean, look, if we were grading coaches last night, we'd probably give Sark an A plus, right? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, he definitely gets an A from me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, look, I mean, look. Here's you know what one of his best calls was. I think is. Obviously, the 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 play that where he moved the pocket, threw it to Gunnar Helm, then came back quick with the two point conversion would probably be the best play back to back plays, uh, especially when it was in that game. That reverse to Xavier Worthy at the time was a great play call. Worthy just was. Worthy just almost went a little bit of hero ball and didn't wait for his blockers who were lined up to put him in the end zone possibly and race past him and end up fumbling football. Uh, but that was a tremendous timed reverse by Sark last night. I agree with that. I've got it. You're right. That's a great point. It was. Yeah, it was. It was a turning point in the game because of the fumble, but it was a nicely dialed up play. Sark was in his own. He was he was ready for that game. He knew how big that game was. Tenth win for him. You know, the team, you know, he kind of hopefully solidifying their path to the Big 12 title. That he knew what was on the line. And I Sark came ready to coach. Is I'll it, give him is a it- credit. Is it possible, Rod, in your opinion, that Sark actually circled Iowa State a little bit because Heacock uh, is that guy that kind of is the not the grandfather, but one of the forebearers, I guess, of the the, the high the three high safety. And so when he goes and studies that kind of uh, game, that's who he's really studying to compete against, not a Kansas State per se. Um, uh, does that make sense? Be. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that because he knows, listen, first of all, he knows I got to figure out the three high, three down. I got to find the antidote to it. I have to. He faced it five damn times this year. It's like half the schedule if you're in the Big 12. Now in the SEC, he can keep the notes he got on it, but he won't see it as much in the SEC. It's become, you know, kind of a Big 12 ecosystem thing where the teams in the Big 12 have evolved to it. But yeah, he, he knew this year if he was going to win the Big 12. And by the way, you're going to see some more of it if you're going to see Gundy in the Big 12 title game. I guarantee you. Hell, Tech might throw it out against you this week, all right, just for the hell of it because still the stats show, hey, man, at least I can keep I can keep Sark's offense close, under 30 or close around. That's Hey, that's all you can ask for against Sark. That's, that's money right there. You keep him under 30, you got a chance to win. And I think Sark has been studying. So to your point, I totally agree with you. He's one of the pioneers of it. He's one of the founding fathers of the three high three down. You could argue Iowa State has the most effective three high three down teams and coach from all around the country. They travel to Ames freaking Iowa to go study that three teams from, teams from the league. Coordinators from the league. They come down to Ames Iowa to talk to Haycock about that three high three down. So I, I agree with you. He knew like, hey, man, if I could, 
if I can figure out a way to outwit that guy and win the chess match within the game against him in the three out three down, I'm not going to say I've conquered it, but hell, man, I'm doing as good as anybody can do. <laughs> hey, Bobby, you know why it also, to, to all, everything y'all just said, it's the only loss Sark's had at Texas over 20 points. The only game they really got blown out was at Iowa State since he's been there. Well, the Arkansas game, too. At Arkansas Arkansas game. Also Ar three out three down. Yeah. Barry Odom. <laughs> he did. Right. He Good did. point. Good point, guys. Uh, this is and so much more. Uh, you guys are college football experts, man. Much love to you all. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, if we beat Texas Tech, uh, who do we? Who do you think we will play in the Big 12 title game? So if Texas wins, it'll be between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State if they all win. It's going to okay. be Oak State. If Oak so State it's wins. Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State has direct wins over both oh. OU and Kansas State. And has BYU at home. And has BYU at home this weekend. So yeah. the, the point that I'm making here, though, is uh, all Texas needs is one thing. They need to get in either a win or a loss from OU or Oklahoma State or a win from Kansas State. And then Texas is in the Big 12 title game. They will most likely play uh, uh, Oklahoma State in that Gundy. game. We can't avoid Gundy, man. We couldn't avoid Gundy. Yeah, we Not thought we were going to avoid him. We can't. You know what? But that's appropriate. It's appropriate, guys. It's it's perfectly appropriate because if it's the farewell tour, you got to see Gundy on your way out, man. You beat everybody <laughs> on your way out. Oh, you have to. You got to yeah. be because Gundy is. Come on, dog. Y'all, everybody knows Gundy has been a pain in Texas' butt for far too long. So, Sark, you exercising them demons. You bet exercise Gundy too, man. Just send him out the, the way you send everybody else out, man. I agree. And, and the flip Man. side is is and the flip side of we're right. I'm just being real. Flip side is Gundy would have a chance to beat Texas and OU in the same year on the way out the door. Oh, you know he's salivating about this. <laughs> hey, how come we don't hear Mike Gundy's name at uh, Texas AM? Yeah. Nah, they're right. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, this one, uh, Jerry, a, a recruiting question, uh, just a little sidestep from regular talk. We haven't talked about basketball. Texas beat Louisville at the buzzer uh, today as well. Uh, Rick Ambergay asked, Jerry, any chance Xavier Philsame and his dad, uh, the safety out of McKinney, are on the 40 acres Friday since McKinney lost in the playoffs this past weekend? We'll see. He's currently scheduled to be at Florida for the FSU game if they lost. So the question there is, look, but there's – there's days before where Texas is practicing. Kids aren't in school this week, so it's something we'll have to follow here. But as of Friday, if they lost, he was scheduled to be at Florida for the Florida State game. That's been scheduled for a long time. So we'll see if he follows through and makes that visit. I mean, look, if he doesn't make that visit, I would say this for Texas fans. If he doesn't make that visit to Florida this weekend when that's been scheduled for a while, that's really good news for Texas. I'll say that. Whatever, Even if he stays home, this weekend if he doesn't go to florida saturday for that game that's good news for texas the other one kobe blacks scheduled to announce on november 29th will probably be at the game friday ty anthony smith scheduled i put that out that he was going to officially visit justin wells talked to him after the game said he's going to officially visit for the tech game it's tech weekend though he can't come to the game they play cuero friday at three in alvin because they beat Wake O'Connell in a third-round playoff game. So that's what we talked about, these playoff schedules. What's that going to do to some of these kids? Well, Jasper won again, so he will not be at the game Friday. The question is, does Texas bring him in late that night? 
or Saturday morning for that weekend visit to try to uh, try to get him uh, flipped. All right, a couple other comments here that that uh, we have to get to or that I want to get to. Uh, hey, according to Josh Roberts, ISU had great rushing numbers last night. They were getting fourteen point four inches. That's uh, a stat, <laughs> <laughs> not yards. A hey. uh, couple other thoughts, real quick. Uh, Jay, the activist, uh, is JT not as good as Mark Andrews was? He's different. Mark Andrews isn't necessarily that violent runner. He's more of that long, tall mm. receiver uh, yeah. kind of guy. So I think they're just a little bit different. But, Rod, this one's also from Jay. Uh, does Quinn have not have a hot read versus zero? That's Sark. I mean, he looked like he had one last night to A.D. Mitchell or Adnan Mitchell. Yeah, because it's interesting because when they went – when they would empty, he would hold on to the ball. Yeah. Uh, and I it, it, I got to go back and look. And I, I meant to go look at all the empties because they ran a lot of empties. Start out with – and makes sense, right? kind of goes with my theory. You run extreme formations. You run extreme personnel groupings to get the three high to expose itself, to declare itself. Uh, so he did a lot of that. But Qu- Quinn got sacked, I think, multiple times, actually, yeah. in empty formation, which it, – it, it, which is counterintuitive because actually sack rates based on my studies and based on my stats, they drop for Texas in empty formation. Makes sense. Cause you're getting the ball out quick. You just you're not holding on to the ball in empty formation, but he'd hold on to the ball. It makes me think they either took his first, probably took his first read away um, in empty formation. Cause some of those, a lot of those are predetermined reads for him and they took his first read away. Then we talked about him getting deeper into his progression. He gets uncomfortable, holds onto the ball too long and they get a sack. So, yeah, I I, I got to go back and look at it because he does have hot reads. There's no doubt. They're, they're built and baked into the scheme. Um, but in, in, in certain situations, I wonder why he doesn't automatically go to the hot read or why he doesn't, like in an empty formation set, when you know the ball's coming out quickly, why he doesn't know exactly where he's going with the football even after the first read is taken away. Boom, boom. And you don't see that. You go boom, and he kind of, you know, he looks a little bit dis- discombobulated at times. He looks slow. Yeah, I mean, just, just downright slow. Yeah, sometimes, and I, I don't mean that rudely. I mean it's just the way it kind of looks at times. All right, uh, this one from Justin Yarbrough. Can we hang seventy on Tech like we did in twenty one? Yeah. And would it be fitting to play Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve Championship? Because Sark, I don't think Sark has beat Gundy yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're not. Uh, Texas lost in that second half against Oklahoma State uh, after the pick six uh, got yeah. them back in the game, uh, and then just they ran the ball down the throw the Longhorns in uh, DKR last time they were there. And then uh, Texas, after getting off to a good start in Stillwater, uh, had another second-half swoon. Uh, oh, that was uh, – that may have been that the That's when yeah. he got – he kept throwing them deep balls. He kept throwing them deep balls in Stillwater. Yeah. Yeah. Kept, it, it kept uh, basically taking the time – or basically killing drives. They, they did not do that last night, nope. by the way. Mm-hmm. He took what was given to him. All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you to bring up uh, – uh, what we were going to talk about a little bit of the basketball game. And so Jerry can give us a little uh, insight there. This is from Mayor Adalis Garcia. 10 and 1, Acemus buzzer beater, Cowboys win, Texas win, uh, Texas win, <laughs> Jimmy in the ring of honor for the Cowboys. Mavs, Rockets look great. Stars in first place, Rangers champs. Is this sports heaven? Uh, here's what uh, <laughs> our, our guy Rodney Terry had to say uh, about the, the game today. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This looks like it's the, the final play here for Matt. Woo. Oh, you're Rodney jumping up and down over there on the left side. Nice. <laughs> hey, the Achille- hey, look, the Achilles held up. That's the best news for RT right there. He got. He gave it three jumps. Yeah, yeah. Achilles <laughs> four. I counted four, Jerry. Got it going. Yeah, got that fifty, and the Achilles are intact. That's a good day for him jumping around like that. Um, yeah, it wasn't a pretty game. They got some stuff to work on. They're they're not. Uh, and they got UConn tomorrow on short turnaround. I got UConn by twenty plus in that game tomorrow. I think it's, I think it's going to be a butt kicking. Honestly, um, uh, they need Dsu back. They got to get a little – they're a little disjointed early, as you'd expect, offensively. They're going to have to find their way. Um, I don't think they're – I don't think they're going to – there's a good win against a team who hadn't made shots all year that was 7-16 from three and 27-31 from the free throw line. Um, Texas got some issues to work through defensively. They got some issues to work through offensively. Um, They're not ready for tomorrow night. UConn's even good despite the fact that they won with all those seniors last year, Jerry? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I think uh, I think uh, UConn's very good. I think again, UConn, um, the size, the, the the issue Texas is going to have tomorrow is they want to play inside out, and that worked today. But tomorrow you throw it in the Shedrick on the block. Who, by the way, will have Jello legs after all those minutes tonight, and he got banged up again um, on Yimna, and and you're playing against Klingon, who's a first round pick in seven one and more size. Um, and they're going to be able to defend that paint, defend that rim better. Um, so Texas is going to be forced to hit a lot of contested threes in that game tomorrow. Um, I, and, and then on the other end, UConn, UConn's big at guard, but also skilled big at guard. And you see Texas recruiting bigger guards, Trey Johnson, Cam Scott, and Max is very good. Tyrese Hunter got banged up today. He'll play tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, they can get bullied a little bit at guard. So they got some stuff they got to figure it out, but I, they aren't ready for tomorrow. All right. Loba Brett has one more basketball related t- topic. How about Max Asmus? A win is a win. UConn is going to be a test. Caden Shedrick is getting a chance to shine at school that actually has an offense. This is interesting. Uh, Asmus was only six of 19. He was five of 18 before that uh, game winner. Uh, so the sharpshooter did not have his best night. I believe Texas was only 11% from three-point so, land. Two of 17. That'll probably be their worst three-point shooting game of the season. Yeah, um, Shedrick ended up with 20-plus points, Jerry. Yeah. Last I looked at the stat lines. That, no, he had a career-high 27. He had yeah. a career-high 27. Uh, and like I said, tomorrow, the problem is, one, they had to expend a lot of energy to beat a team who's not very good. They played a lot of heavy minutes against guys. 
against a team that they were 17 and a half point favorites over, by the way. Um, and it came down to having to make it a game winner from 21 feet falling away against contested defense. Uh, and, and UConn beat Indiana by 20 and was on cruise control. Um, so they're going to have fresher legs tomorrow. And uh, Texas is going to have a tough time scoring the ball. They're going to have to hit a lot of contested threes tomorrow. Got it. All right. I want to say thank you to our sponsor uh, real quick, if I could. And that sponsor is the folks at the Cross Oak Group. Uh, the Cross Oak Group uh, is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House. Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk, and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. Uh, thank you to the folks at Cross Oak uh, for their sponsorship of the Sunday night show. Hey, Rod, I got a question that's, you know, I'm frankly dying to know this answer myself. From Patrick Smith, Rod, is Tech going to throw 120 <laughs> plants this week? I'm having PTSD suffering from all the years past. Oh that man! Outside leverage, the cornerback <laughs> play, Rod. Give yeah. us, the, give us the truth. Is it going to be 120 or 150? I mean, what? Yeah, they it, uh, they'd be stupid not to throw. I'm with you guys. They'd be stupid not to at least throw. Th I'm not joking. 20, 20 something slants potential. I'm talking running plays. I don't know if you got to target them, but 20 something because at Iowa State probably threw 10 easily. They killed. It was the only thing that worked for Iowa State. And by the way, I'm not gonna say I told you so, but I did tell you so. I told you they was gonna throw a lot of inside cuts. They did the same thing last year, threw a ton of inside breaking routes, and teams have been throwing inside breaking routes on Texas for the last five weeks or so. It's but I would say it's one of the only things that works against Texas. There ain't a lot of things that you can really exploit against this Texas defense. That is one of the only things that you can exploit against them. And I think it's I, I think it is, but obviously it's not as easy <laughs> as I think it is. I think it's pretty fixable. I think you just have to dramatically emphasize inside leverage. Texas doesn't do that at all. We even saw there was one rep with my man Ryan Watts. He was outside leverage, and the guy was outside the numbers. Guys, that is, in, even in high school, you were taught in spread concepts, hey, outside the numbers, you shift to head up or inside leverage when they're outside the numbers, because they're you clearly got the sideline as your 12th man, no pun intended for the Aggies there, but so it can, it can help you. All right. In terms of using leverage. So I, I don't really know what the guys are being taught, but yeah, they need to respect inside leverage more or tech's going to eat them alive with inside leverage, eat them alive. It's, it's clearly a technique they're being taught to force everything inside. And I don't know why, because there's not always whole players in there. So I don't know why you you force them inside. If there's going to be a whole player in there, then it makes sense. Oh, yeah, you're forcing them to your help. Maybe the help's not there and it's supposed to be there. That could also be a concern. That would be on the linebackers and the second-level defenders. Got it. Uh, here's one. I, I want to say this, uh, and this, this is an important one for yeah. me. Um, from Ted Price, enjoy the ride. We aren't that far removed from flying our AD to Tulsa to beg for offensive help. Hook them forever. For those of you who don't recall, this was uh, during the Charlie Strong tenure. He couldn't find an offensive coordinator, and Sterling Gilbert initially turned down Charlie Strong. Uh, remember that. And then the AD, literally Mike Perrin, had to get on a plane to go get Sterling Gilbert and come back. 
Uh, and, you know, that year it ended up Texas got Charlie Sean got fired afterwards, but that's less than 10 years ago, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that would, that on that plane was Charlie Strong, Jeff Trailer, and Mike Perrin. And Trailer and Perrin had to go get him and bring him back to Austin. Because Trailer's a salesman. Trailer can sell. <laughs> that is, I know. No doubt. <laughs> hey, what do y'all think about this one? Uh, given the two emotional games, how big a risk is it that Texas comes out flat? On, too much on, on the line. Too much on the line. I, I think this team's going to be jacked Saturday. It's Texas Tech. It's Friday. Like, sorry, Friday. Team that beat them. Um, you know, look, I mean, here's the reality for Texas. We need to go through this. We've had so many comments about it. Look, Texas now has a clear path to the playoff. I mean, they're in the Sweet 16 this week. If they win, they go to the lead eight against Oklahoma State. If they win that, I think they're going to the Final Four. And what are the chances Florida State's going to win two games without Jordan Travis? Okay, if FSU loses, then Washington or Oregon's going to lose. Michigan or, or Ohio State's going to lose. If Texas goes 12-1, and one, they win the next two games. Even if Alabama beats Georgia, I mean, SEC gets in, Texas in that scenario, what's, if FSU wins out, I mean, I think they'll – I'm not even sure they get a spot. I guess they would over a one-loss team. But what are the chances Florida State's really going to win a road game and then a neutral against a good Louisville team without Jordan Travis? Two games in a row. Um, it's not like they're prepping the quarterback rod for three months to get him ready. Yeah, I mean, so Texas has a clear path. I don't think there's any letdown at all. This this team tonight uh, is looking at this saying, "All right, guys, due to injury, we got a real shot here." Yep. Because when and- they came out and they were seven in that first playoff ranking, that wasn't ideal for Texas. Yep. Hey, how, how do you think how good how big the crowd do you think it'll be in DKR? Students, obviously, a lot of them go home for Thanksgiving. Uh, but with the uh, championship potentially on the line, a few of them may come back early to party a little bit on Friday night. What do you think, Rod? Yeah, I think people will come out in mass. I mean, we haven't been, you know, in a situation where November matters in what you're talking about a long time. I mean, <laughs> once in the last 15 years. I think low one fans will come out. I'm with you. I think they're hyped up. They're excited about their program. They're excited that they're in the college football playoff conversation and they're ahead of schedule pretty much. I think a lot of Longhorn fans thought Big 12 this year, that's the goal. Uh, and now the Big 12 seems like it's definitely in their sights. A lot of Longhorn fans think, look at the opportunity that they have a chance to play in the college football playoff. Like Jerry says, you have a clear path as long as you take care of business. So I, I don't think there'll be any letdown for Tech. Tech talks a lot of trash after they beat Texas last season. Talked a lot of trash in the offseason. So if the bullets and more material for the Iowa State Cyclones helped hype Texas up where all the guys were hyping, even Sark put, you know, the captains as the D linemen. So he wanted them to make a statement about the trash talking the bullets and more material. I think in a very similar fashion, they'll be motivated against Tech because Tech's been talking. At least they were talking. I don't know if they're talking anymore, but they were talking. Uh, if you think it'll be a letdown, the letdown to me would come probably in the Big 12 title game, but – what, that, that's what you've been working for. So there shouldn't be no letdown there. It's the championship game. So I don't necessarily see a letdown for this team. I see this team being who they are, playing a brilliant stretch, playing, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a mediocre to average stretch of football, and then being clutch. 
Like I said, I still don't necessarily think they're going to dominate their opponents. So I don't expect that versus Tech. We may get it, but don't be frustrated if they don't necessarily dominate Tech for four full quarters either. I doubt they. I doubt they. The they do that to Tech. I just doubt for some reason. Uh, Jerry, you wanted us to bring this up. Go ahead. Yeah, by the by the way, uh, somebody commented on the ticket prices for Texas Tech. I, I, if you look at the ticket prices, I think it's saying it's going to be a pretty good crowd. But the tickets aren't cheap uh, for that game right now. If you want to get a ducket, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought this was interesting, Rod. Uh, you know, because you've talked about Sark against the three high. Mac Jones, 84% of first reads under Sark. I mean, kind of go into your thoughts on that, because I thought that ripped through the comments, and we have so many comments right now. I don't think anybody really saw that. Yeah, uh, it does, actually. You can go back and look at that Arkansas game, actually. his uh, in, in 2020, I think it was, uh, against Arkansas, that, Arkansas, that Alabama offense, as prolific as it was, statistically, analytically, it struggled a little bit versus the three high. And I do. I think that I think it just matches up well with Sark's offense. And I love what Bobby said here too. Yeah, firstly, Sark's offenses are built on first reads. That's yes. why Mac Jones looked so seamless in that offense. He never really had to go through a progression. Everything was schemed open. And when you have that much talent with Sark's offensive, you know, acumen, you can scheme a lot of things open and first read. And that's when Quinn's at his best. When he's hitting those first reads, you force him to go through progressions. And I like what Bobby said there, too. The three has going to make you do that. And that's why you often end up with quarterbacks going to the check down. They only want to go through the entire progression. They decide, you know what, I'm going one, two, check it down. Or I'm going one, check down really quickly so we can get some yak yards after that. And that's kind of what the three high does. It forces you really to kind of become a check down Charlie. And then they can get you in the third longs or – force you to you know operate behind the chains a lot of the time. So I, I just think it matches up well. But I think Sark's found nice antidotes. I'm not going to say he's actually found the way to expose it, but he's found little uh, cheat codes to use. And I think he used a lot of them in that uh, game last this weekend versus Iowa State. All right. I want to I want to mention this one, too, because I, I want to add something to what you just talked about, Rod. Uh, this from Texas Boy makes me think it's yours, not Sark, that has a problem with the three high. Also, Tech has no chance. Only ten I've seen on paper that's not at least better than us at some something stat wise. Uh, all right, I I want to add this though, okay, real quick. Um, it's not is it a yours problem or a Sark problem? I think it's a little bit of both because Sark trains his quarterbacks to go to that first read so quickly. Yep, exactly. Okay. But I want to add this. To get better, Quinn needs to have his head on a swivel quicker. It actually has to, he has to go and look around. He can't just stick with that first read or that first side of the, the ball. Or, I mean, look, sometimes he's just looking to the right and looking at two receivers to Rod's point instead of scanning back across the field. And furthermore, and, and Paul Wadlington wrote this on Inside Texas uh, last night, and I agree with it. He self-sacks a little bit. He did that in the first half. He ran into trouble. He patted the ball a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Quinn's not perfect. To Jerry's point, he always says this. This is he's only started 20 college games or however many college games. He's still learning. I mean, this we got to remember. Look, some guys like Jordan Whitting have been at Texas forever. Jalen Ford, you know, they don't make a lot of mental mistakes, right? Yeah. Uh, those guys have been playing Jake Majors. Uh, they played a lot. Christian Jones, they played a lot of football. They may false start or jump off sides here or there, but they, they've they seen it. They know to be, they know to have their head 
ready to go. Quinn Ewers still getting there. And yeah. maybe that's what this three high defense does to people is it uh, makes makes these young quarterbacks in the college game in particular have a little bit more trouble. Yeah, and that's why you got I'll give Sark even more credit, right? Because I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I thought Bobby made a great point and the last person in the chat about, you know, maybe it is a more of a Quinn Ewers problem. But here's the brilliant thing. If Quinn Ewers is a – he's better at the first read. By the way, there are quarterbacks in the NFL like this. Two is like that. Two is a – First window, first read quarterback, and that's how Mike McDaniels has built that offense, and it's pretty damn prolific. But you got to have the right weapons, got to have the right scheme. And with with Sark, what he did in the second half was great. So think about all the big chunk yardage plays in the second half via the passing game. They were schemed up first window throws, right? The 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 stock blocking go for Jay Witt. Schemed up one window throw. I know exactly it's predetermined. I know where I'm going with the football. I just gotta make sure the sleight of hand and the deception factor with his play action pass, make sure that that actually is something that convinces the defense. It's very convincing. But other than that, I know where I'm going with the football. And he's gonna be schemed open, meaning a bigger window. All right, wider margin for error. The gunner helm, same thing, right? The drag uh wheel route that I call it. He knew he was gonna be schemed open, so all I gotta do is carry out the fake. Oh, and then I know, boom, my guy's going to be wide open and it's going to be a big window throw. There was even a play where Xavier Worthy there, and I believe it's empty formation. They run a drag route with Xavier Worthy, and it's a brilliant sight adjustment. And Quinn does a great job of kind of moving in the pocket, but I think it was a predetermined throw the first week because Xavier Worthy stops on the drag route like it was going to be a stop route, hesitates, then continues on the drag. The Iowa State defender is all confused and discombobulated, and then Quinn just delivers it through him to him really easy. And it was coming out of halftime, too. I believe it was the first drive coming out of halftime, which makes me think Sark has schemed it up going, hey, listen, this is how they're playing the drag route now. This is their adjustment. This is all I need y'all to do. Or even better, it was Quinn and Xavier Worthy adjusting to it on their own, which would be hopefully that's the best case scenario. They're making those. They're winning the chess match in the game themselves. And then there was another play. Oh, the P.I. The P.I., right? It's an out and up. Simple. I know where I'm going. Predetermined throw. So give Sark credit if, if, he, if you guys are right in your theory that the three high forces you to go through deeper in your progression and that's not a strength of Quinn. Then Sark knew that, and he made all the big, chunky artist plays dialed up, predetermined, first window throws in the second half. Brilliant. Hey, hey! by the way, we mentioned Taj Brooks. He's averaged 30 carries a game the last four per game. If he, hey, if 30 he gets, carries a game. 30 carries yeah. a game, Rod. If he gets 30 carries against Texas, something's gone really bad for the Texas defense. I don't see it happening. No way. Averaging Whoa. 30 carries a game. Damn, that's which, crazy. Hey, which, by the way, by the way, means Texas Tech strength plays into the strength of Texas Friday, which is going to be a nice little battle. Agreed. We'll see how it goes. And Taj Brooks bounces off of people. He's a really, really good runner. Young man from Maine or Texas. Yeah. Uh, Rick W., yes, and you make me laugh every time you put that in there. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Uh, this is from Sharon. Hypothetically, if Texas made the playoff as the four seed, who do they match up with best in round one? I'd like to play Michigan personally. I don't know about Michigan. I mean, Texas has to go to Ann Arbor next year. Um, who would y'all like to see Texas play? Mm. Uh, out of all the teams, is it I mean, Washington? Washington, they they may have the but Washington matches up. That's a bad matchup for Texas. Bad matchup. Two good receivers and a quarterback that throws it vertically downfield. 
I, I know they've been on the cusp of losing, but man, that's a that's a bad matchup for Texas on that one. I don't like that matchup. I don't like that matchup. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good in the Alamo Bowl this last year. Yeah, exactly. They got I the like same it. receivers in the same quarterback. Yeah, I don't like that matchup. Mm-mm. All I'll right, that right now, uh, Rod, Jerry, uh, what kind of defense does Texas Tech play? They've been pretty stingy the last few games. They only gave up thirteen, I think it was, to uh, Kansas, who had their backup quarterback in, and then against uh, Central Florida, they only gave up twenty three. They got uh, ripped. What do you think? They got ripped in that game. The UCF had about five, 485 yards in Lubbock. Yes, they did. They ran the ball really well. And, and by the way, with Tech, we need to talk about this, and we'll see what uh, uh, Coach McGuire has to say. But Jalen Hutchings, their all-league deep lineman, left that game limping on his right knee, did not come back in. Tyler Owens got hurt the week before. They lost another starter in that game that didn't return. Uh, so they, they're dealing with some injury issues at some key positions. We'll see how healthy they're going to be against Texas Friday. Because Jalen Hutchins doesn't play. That's a big deal now against Texas. Hey, Rod, what kind of defense does Texas Tech play? They they play that 4-2-5. I 4-2-5 mostly. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I think so. I, I will admit I haven't went, I haven't watched the film on Tech yet. I'm going to do that tonight and probably tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. But like I said, I I think they, there's no reason for them not to come out and break Tennessee against Texas. If you've been doing their research. We just talked about it earlier in this live stream. That's the way to – it doesn't guarantee a slow start for Texas, but it the odds are that Texas will have a slower start if you throw them something you haven't put on film yet. I don't know if they run, but something tells me it'll be something different. Hey, Rod, you've been, in the, you've been on the field for this, and I want you to comment on it if you don't mind. David Parcell, that was a culture-building, team-building win. The way they sang Texas fight was the most enthusiastic all season. I noticed that as well and commented about that earlier. Rod, did you you felt like their chests were stuffed that or pushed out a little bit more last night, didn't you? Yep, I agree. Well, you can see on social media <laughs> a lot of pride, right? Uh, I think because I think that win, I think that that win for them, considering the circumstances, right? The obstacles, no Jay Brooks. And so many guys got nicked up in that game. You see how many guys got nicked up and got got hurt. There was a lot of excuses. You know, the officiating was working against you. You know, there was a lot of excuses that potentially could have come out of that game for Texas playing at a subpar level or help potentially losing that game or maybe being upset. I think they understood this is a game that on the road, battling adversity. Um, I think this team knew that it was going to take a lot of mental toughness gonna take a lot of grit there's some games where you knew hell for us it was like going to k-state going to going to little apple and getting a win against a snyder coast football team we already knew it's like man we're gonna it's gonna it's gonna be hell like it's gonna be a slobber knocker you're gonna have to go win it in the fourth quarter you want to make clutch plays in critical moments it's gonna be one of them types of games and the same thing with Iowa state i would say it's not gonna beat themselves you want to go beat Iowa state and i think texas did that they went out there and took that win i think they were proud of it and I, I guess Iowa State, that's an accomplishment for them that Texas was so proud of that win. But I think they were proud of the way they performed because they knew that there were a lot of adversity that, at that point in the season. Hey, and they I agree with you, Rod, and especially after the way they had won the last couple of games. Very K-State and TCU hanging on by a thread kind of. Yeah. Um, and then they, they go up and, and kind of, again, I think it was redemption for Steve mm-hmm. Sarkeesian. 
Uh, Jerry mentioned that it was a big loss away from home. Uh, his worst loss as a Longhorn coach probably uh, in Ames a couple of years ago. And I look, I agree with Jerry. I, I think that a lot of people, uh, the coaches, staff included, because you got to remember, what are there only two new coaches on the staff since that they were in Ames two years ago? Chris Jackson and Tashar Choice. Mm-hmm. All those coaches were up there too, guys. Yeah. Wasn't just the players that were right. on that bus. All right, uh, this one from Texas Boy. I think if you give Texas extra practice this year, time to actually work on corrections, they will match up against anyone and possibly win. Rod, where would if you were to say that, where would you say they need the most work right now in kind of a reset at, at, oh. at any position? Position or like, um, like it, if position whatever they're doing. Safety, I'll go if we're going to just position. I'll go safety. And secondary, because I think honestly on the defense, that may be the only kind of true weakness on the defense. The front seven is fantastic, one of the best in the country. If we're just going conceptually, something Texas has to improve on, it's got to be red zone. I mean, and in 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 the you know time in between bowl games or whatever, you do get some time. That's just kind of a little mini spring, if you will. It's, it's Feels like you do have an extra, you know, off season, if you will, to get ready, and that is extra prep time for your opponent, of course. Yep. Hopefully, college football playoff yep. opponent, and Sark's really good at that, i.e., the Bama game. Uh, and it's time for you to work on some of those areas, crucial areas that have held you back from playing a complete game, from being a full four quarter team, and from for Texas, ain't, ain't no doubt, red zone. I mean, you'd be an undefeated team right now if not for red zone. You can make that argument in Oklahoma game. I, I, I think to that point, I mean, yeah, it, hey, you get a month if you're Texas to prepare for everybody else. If you're playing Georgia, Will Muschamp gets a month to prepare for you too. <laughs> and he's got pretty good players. <laughs> yeah, it works both ways. But I, I was talking more, guys, just so you all know, I was actually talking more about a reset. Like, that that's one thing that, that when I was at Texas, when we went to bowl game, that's what the coaches did. They actually took – a little bit of that. There was no Big Twelve championship game back then. By the way, there were, we're still in the Southwest Conference. Uh, so, so um, the the thought of it was that that you would take those couple of weeks or that week and really just get back into things and kind of go back to the basics, almost. Rod and Jerry, and I'm wondering coverage situations, maybe the crossing routes that we saw them have a real problem with. Maybe that's one thing. Um, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to say that I because I feel like they've got it. There, there's got to be a little something out there that they could improve on, uh, in the coming two weeks. If they do indeed go to the big 12 championship game, win and go even further. Yeah. Uh, because but the way you're looking at it, Bobby is okay. So what could derail them? Right. What could derail this team? They look like they're great. They're, they they got a lot of great football character. We talked about it. What could derail them? Pass defense. Pass defense could derail them. They just have a horrible game in pass defense, and that's why that's something. If they get the extra time to fix it, or they could use some 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 cheat codes they could apply in that time that will give them a better chance against a high level opponent they're going to play in the bowl game. Um, and offensively, yeah, what's held you back? Red zone offense. What could derail you? You know. Selling for field goals, uh, not getting touchdowns in the red zone. So I'm with you. I think you think what can hold you back if you get some extra time, that's what you kind of throw a lot of your manpower and your resources at. 
All right. I want to, I got this one question and then I want to ask y'all a couple questions. Uh, Justin Rosenthal, everyone on Saturday noticed the leverage our corners were giving that led to easy slant routes. Something, Rod, you've been belaboring. Uh, is that a strategy to prevent big plays downfield, though, for Pete Kwiatkowski? Could be. Could be, especially if you're expecting hole help, which means you got inside help. So you're forcing those guys to your inside help. Um, that could be the strategy. Just, you know, give up. We can give up yardage. We we get in the red zone, and Texas is a top five red zone defense. We'll stiffen up, and when we get to third and long, third and medium, and Texas is a top five third down defense, that's when we'll stop them. So to him, it could be considered, you know, kind of frivolous yardage, right? Not, you know, not really anything to worry about. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at the, the film. I don't know the technique they're being taught. I'm just watching the film. It's frustrating because I think they could stop some of these slants. But I'll admit, you know, that's a, that's, it, it, they are obviously, they are obviously emphasizing outside leverage. I think they're being taught that it's pretty, because even when guys are outside the numbers, sometimes they're outside leverage. So maybe they're trying to force guys inside. You would think the linebackers and the second level defenders, though, would be better at, you know, inside help if that is the case. But if they don't have inside help and they're still outside, then your coverage and your pass coverage doesn't make sense. It's nonsensical because then you should be inside leverage because your help would be the sideline more so than nobody. <laughs> Got it. All right. I uh, want to do this one question. And Jerry, this one's for you but from Kabir Hussein. Uh, what does this season do to 2025 recruiting in your opinion? I think if look, so here's there's one difference in recruiting now and a big one. Ten years ago, if this happens, I think Texas is on this rocket ship, and here you go. Now you deal with NIL. So it's a little bit of a different game in recruiting. Like I think everybody's been asked about what are recruits' reactions to this game? Auburn losing is TJ Lindsay in a flip. We're in the NIL day and age. It's a little it, it's a little more of a longer runway. It's a little different. Um uh, you know, look, I think uh, Texas is getting good feedback for Xavier Phil same. TJ Lindsay says he may be at the Big 12 championship game if Texas is there. He's going to the Iron Bowl Friday. Um, Auburn is not going to, you know, they have a lot of uh, reason to try to keep TJ Lindsay in their class, just like DeAndre Carter. Um, so even coming off a bad loss, that may motivate you even more in some regards. So it, I think 2025 recruiting, I, I, this is why I've said, since the Bama game, as long as they followed up, which they have now, or they're so close, close to following this up perfectly, um, you're going to have more kids on campus in these younger classes, 25, 26. Because that game at Alabama, the, the state that was most represented in the stands in the recruiting section was Georgia. And that's the state – in Atlanta area is the toughest area for Texas to get a kid right now. But I think you're going to see more kids show up on Texas campus to take a look in 25 and 26. That's what this season does. And the advantage, the biggest advantage Nick Saban had in recruiting outside of winning an NFL draft picks, Bobby, and you know this, he got every kid on campus he wanted to evaluate. And when you get all the kids you want on campus and shake their hand and meet their parents and watch mm -hmm. them run at camp or evaluate them, get a wingspan of hands, whatever you do, your evaluation process keeps getting better and better. I think Texas is going to have a larger pool to evaluate from. Well, that would be good because it, ostensibly they're better prospects overall. If you have a larger good That's pool. Right. I mean, Saban's had the advantage of having every kid on campus he wants. for, And he, he's earned it and he deserves it. But he could get 
every kid in America on campus he wanted and evaluate those guys in person. You know what an advantage that is if you're really good at your job? I mean. Yeah, no, I get it. Hey, uh, all right, I want to end with this. We've been about an hour and 10 minutes into it. Uh, the live stream brought to you by the guys at the Crossout Group. We appreciate them very much for their ongoing sponsorship. Like I said, Longhorns 10-1 and 1 since they started sponsoring the Sunday night live stream. Must be something to it. Also, <laughs> uh, this is going to be my fa- my last question, and I want to get some responses from folks in the chat themselves as yes. well. If you're voting today, Rod and Jerry, who are the guys on offense and defense that are all Big 12, either first or second team? Wow. All Big 12, either first or second team. Well, it's easy on defense. You can start with Sweat and Murphy. Yeah. Right? Are they I mean, first? Are they both first team or just yes, sweat? Both, both. I need, and that, that would be the first. I mean, they got to be the first D tackle combo since Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers to be first team for Texas All Conference. Um, yeah, that's easy. It's Jalen Ford's. Obviously, um, I don't know if he's first or second. I haven't looked at the big. Got to be first. Got to be first. Anthony Hill will be defensive newcomer of the year. Jade Barron. Jade Barron's on there. Jade sure. Barron. Um. Is defense? Okay. Are we done? Are we that's, done on defense? That's good on defense. What about okay. on offense? Is Quinn Ewers a first or second team guy? I mean, who's better? Would is second it right team? now? Is it Dylan Gabriel? Yeah, Dylan Gabriel's the only one that's better. So second team. Yeah, first or second. Jay Brooks. See, what are they with Jay Brooks getting hurt? What do they do with him getting hurt? Because the problem yeah. with that is Ollie Gordon and Taj Brooks stats yeah, are not right. going to zip past it. That's true. Good but point. Brooks will be second team at worst. JT um, Sanders. Yeah. Adonai Mitchell, first, second team. Worthy will be first or second team. Kelvin Banks will probably get that mention. Yep. Christian Jones at right, right tackle. Christian Jones. That's good. Um, you're I'm, looking at eight to ten. Oh, uh, no. You're Damn. missing. Ryan Sanborn will be second to detect punter. I like that. Bert Auburn will be first or second. I was I was trying I didn't want you to say that man I was trying to save that I had my stat for Bert Auburn for you guys sorry you spoiled it Jerry come on Jerry I tell you what you I'm always a special teams thinker because all right so I want to I want to leave y'all with this with Bert Auburn 14 of his last 14 he was 21 of 26 last year Mm -hmm. at one point this year he was nine of 14. Damn. 9 of 14, he is now 23 of 28. He is hitting 82% of his field goals. I, I know you can vote whoever you want, player of the game. We have a, a poll right now on uh, the uh, on Texas Football uh, YouTube community page about who is the player of the game. I'm not so sure if it's not Steve Sarkeesian uh, as the coach of the game. Amen. It may be Burt Auburn as the player of the game because he was nails last he night. Was so on the road. Yeah, big time. And I'm not a I'm not this kicker guy. I don't I'm not I, I'm not like always saying, oh, what about that kicker, right? Uh really impressive performance and a quite a run from the young man, uh, in my I'll opinion. All right. Guys, that's gonna do it for tonight. We've got coffee and football tomorrow morning. Jerry and I will be up with you along with Blake Monroe early in the morning. Our football investigator Rod Babers will be on uh, tomorrow with talk and ball for Jerry with Jerry Hamilton. Uh, our, our producer, Matt, we appreciate you, Matt. Thanks for uh, hey, man, queuing man. up that video uh, and the tweets. Uh, also, uh, thanks to the Crossout Group for sponsoring us and 
thanks to all the Longhorn fans out there that joined us tonight. Over a thousand people uh, here. Jerry, you have something you want to say? Yeah, a couple other things. Trey Owens, big win over Katie High. Congrats wow. to South Bear. It's not, hey, that was crazy. What do you get for winning? North Shore, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, offensive line. All right, let's do your yeah. job this week now. Uh, I remember hey, that. Houston Lamar beat Ridge Point. Ridge Point has more talent than Houston Lamar. Houston Lamar yeah, getting it done. Houston Lamar getting it done. Uh, Twelve and zero. Uh, but yeah, playoffs continue around the state of Texas. There's some huge games coming up. Uh, obviously, if you're in Austin, Westlake and Travis are on a collision course in the regional finalists. That's not that. Yeah, it's happened before. Uh, but uh, Duncanville. I mean, obviously, moving on. There's some. Uh, there, there's some big high school games coming up uh, this weekend as well. All right, all right. That's gonna do it for tonight, guys. Y'all have a good one. Uh, we appreciate y'all very much. Uh, for Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. Hook them. <laughs>